fireside christmas short stories this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org fireside christmas short stories by various the snowman by alfred b cooper i've double reason good and bad for remembering the christmas of eighteen ninety something because while it was the most humiliating day of my life it ended my career as a swell cracksman and was the commencement of my better days i had long had my eye on wharton manor as a crib worth the cracking and as i never was the mere midnight marauder who is popularly supposed to lurk under the bed until the family is asleep i thought the dinner hour on christmas eve a favourable opportunity for taking my pick of the jewel cases of lord wharton's guests and for annexing the unconsidered trifles that doubtless strewed their dressing-tables i did not forget that some of the most valuable articles would at that moment be enhancing the charms of their fair owners but as i always worked single-handed and could not hope to carry away a van-load i reckoned upon picking up sufficient to pay me handsomely for my trouble audacity is half the battle in artistic burglary i always trusted to my wits and i will say this for myself i never carried a weapon of any kind i took the fortunes of war and considered that if i were dolt enough to walk into a trap or let another man's wits outwit mine or another man's legs outrun mine i ought to yield him the palm like a gentleman and it was the fact that things panned out so differently from anything i could have foreseen but that's the end of the story and we are still at the beginning christmas eighteen ninety something was the snowiest in my memory it was a real christmas card christmas and as i stood in the deep shadow of a yew within forty yards of the manor the scene pleased my artistic eye not a little the great hall door was wide open in spite of the severity of the weather for it was a still night and a flood of rosy light from the crimson-covered lamps and fairy lights streamed out upon the drive low lights too burned in most of the upper windows but as the whole house party was at dinner they revealed no sign of life within the drive swept round to my right as i faced the house having studied the geography of the neighbourhood i knew where it was certainly or i should have had difficulty in locating it a line of yew trees similar to the one behind which i stood was planted at intervals along the near edge of the drive and the opposite side was bounded by a broad stone balustrade something like the parapet of waterloo bridge though not nearly so high this stone fence was a beautiful ornament to the manor and was admired by everybody but strangely enough it was for use even more than ornament the manor stood high and the ground to the right fell away very suddenly into a deep dingle this dingle was full of bracken and brambles which filled the spaces between the young trees but the rock cropped out here and there and made it a dangerous place on a dark night that was the reason of the stone balustrade farther down the drive the ravine shallowed off and winding paths went in and out which made it a very jolly place in the summer 
when first i took my position of observation behind the yew i got a fright casting my eyes towards the balustrade i saw what i thought was a man looking directly at me it was the hat that made the figure appear so real yet i could have laughed aloud at my fears the next minute it was a man indeed but it was a man of snow built on the coping of the balustrade in imitation of a statue the house was full of young fellows and girls with a fair sprinkling of small boys lord wharton had no fewer than six of his own and they had spent the morning all the lot of them setting up this effigy just for the fun of the thing this figure could not be seen from the front door because the sweep of the drive brought the ewes into the line of sight from where i stood however i could have knocked his old silk hat off with a snowball and such are the mad impulses of our poor human nature i could have found it in my heart almost to have had a shy of course i did no such thing for i could see by the dishes the flunkies were carrying in that dinner was getting on and that i was much later at my post than i had intended to be i must bestir myself if i meant business business yes it was my business then i am sorry to say and no easy business either yet i knew exactly what i was going to attempt and how i meant to attempt it there was nothing original in the plan ivy and an open window summed it up the back of the house would doubtless have been safer but then my booty was in front and at such an hour it would have been ten times more risky to traverse the house from back to front than to go boldly in at an upper front window behold me then ten minutes later stealthily peering into a dimly lighted room most luxuriously furnished i had experienced more difficulty than usual for i was as nimble as a cat in negotiating the ivy because i wore a long lightish coloured overcoat made necessary by my tendency to rheumatism only a couple of candles in candlesticks of beaten silver served to light the room but i could see the gleam of jewels and rich ornaments on the dressing-table half hidden by a heavy curtain which hung from a sort of carved oaken bracket branching from the wall i stepped inside upon the thick pile of the carpet and stole noiselessly towards the glittering table the next moment you might have knocked me down with a feather behind the curtain quickly pocketing the smallest and most valuable objects he could see was a man in evening dress a big man half as big again as myself but with gentleman's valley written all over him we were not four feet apart and the gasp of astonishment i gave was enough to make him nearly jump out of his skin his dismay was only momentary he knew the next instant what i was there for and was evidently as quick-witted as i for before i could say peas he had darted between the wall and the curtain banged the window into its place and yelled thieves 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 a truer plural than any one imagined at the very top of his voice for the wink of an eyelid i meant to tackle him but what was the use moments were mighty precious just then and even while he was shouting the sly wretch i turned and bolted for the door intending to make a dash through the camp of the enemy and trust to my heels to get clear away as bad luck would have it as i turned the bend of the stairs that brought me in full view of the brilliantly lighted hall 
i ran full tilt against a big flunky with a tray of wine glasses talk about a shindy a gas explosion would scarcely have made more noise broken glass clattering tray and the bumpity bump of two heavy bodies falling downstairs was something to remember i fell uppermost and giving myself a bounce up with a prod below the belt which knocked the remaining wind out of the footman i made for the door again as if a legion had been behind me nor was it mere fancy for in truth a legion was behind me the valet's big voice must have penetrated to the dining-room and the tremendous clatter of the footman and my luckless self caused by the downfall brought the party out like a swarm of bees thieves came like a thunderclap from the top of the stairs the valet was playing the game to perfection i had thirty yards start but i knew that among the guests would be many a young athlete from the varsities men who could do their hundred in even time soccer and rugger men who were accustomed to rough and tumble so my chances of getting clear away were none too rosy besides the whole party were lighter shod and clad than i and i knew that these young fellows though in no rig for snow would not care a straw about ruining their dress shoes i got round the sweep of the drive and was in the straight it was three hundred yards to the great gate and cover except the yews was scarce a gleam of lanterns ahead decided me my way was blocked meanwhile my wits had been working at express speed it was snowing again in heavy flakes i purposely fell headlong into the snow piled on the edge of the drive rolled over and over and clutched an armful of it to my body and shoulders i then scrambled up leapt upon the stone balustrade snatched the old silk hat all snow-covered from the head of the snowman gave that unfortunate effigy a shove which toppled it neck and crop into the depths of the dingle and myself dropped upon my knees on the top of the snowy foundation it had left behind it it was the work of five seconds at the most and there was i with the snow-crowned hat over my eyes my overcoat thickly caked with snow and my legs wholly invisible posing in the room instead of the man of snow the hue and cry went past me like a whirlwind half a dozen flunkies in their knee breeches and yellow stockings bringing up the rear they ran full speed thirty yards past my post of observation into a band of weights with lanterns and instruments from the village these yokels were ready to turn and fly themselves when they saw the strange exodus from the manor thinking no doubt that all the ghosts of which the old house was well known to be the trysting place had suddenly appeared not in singles but in battalions and scared the guests away from their dinner and out of their five senses but the sudden halt didn't help me in the least the dilemma was distinctly mutual and i did not bless the weights one little bit had the thief gone down the drive they would surely have seen him it was a perfect mystery how he could possibly have dodged them he had been seen in full flight round the bend he must either have gone over into the dingle a most unlikely course if he knew what he was doing or he was hiding behind the yews then commenced a game of hide-and-seek 
i nearly burst with laughter as i saw this mixed company dodge in and out among the sombre trees and catch at each other convulsively each thinking the other a burglar but there was no opportune opening for me all i could do was to kneel stock still one of the waits pointed me out his attitude showed terror though i could not see his face the laugh that greeted his find sent him behind a yew tree on a fresh trail and very greatly reassured me i evidently looked my part just then there was another arrival the local policeman and a big man in plain clothes whom i guessed was a tech lord wharton and some of the guests were in a group near me when they came along and i heard the whole colloquy their arrival at that moment was quite unconnected with my affair but it seemed to fit into the circumstances as detailed by his lordship in a few sentences i heard the tech say he's a very old hand known commonly as toff smith but his real name is charles markland he's wanted for a dozen big jobs and i've had almost certain advice that he's somewhere in this neighbourhood it'll be he said his lordship but he has been balked this time lieutenant fontenoy's valet was too quick for him he has got away in the most amazing fashion but it's a comfort to know that he has gone empty-handed i'd heard of toff smith he was one of the bigwigs of the profession a perfect napoleon of burglary but it goes without saying i was not he so i was now not only personating a snowman but involuntarily standing in the shoes of toff smith as well he's got clear away one cried why trouble further james tells me he did not have time to pick up a pin let us have a lark while we're out i guessed it was lieutenant fontenoy who spoke and all the youngsters who had enjoyed the whole thing immensely set up a shout for he had evidently suggested something cockshies pay your penny and take your chance now then fair and square no don't cross the drive who'll knock his hat off first take your choice coconut or cigar i'm frozen to death it'll warm us up these were the cries i heard but i didn't at the first blush tumble to their meaning the ladies clad in thick wraps were at the windows all this time where they could look along the drive and get news of the search now i heard them laugh merrily as a small boy ran across and made some communication to them i quickly learned what it was they were to witness a bombardment the whole band guests and waits the police had hurried off were gathered together about twenty yards from where i knelt and at the word of command they let fly i have enjoyed snowballing in my time but that was when i had a chance of potting my opponent in the nape of the neck when he was stooping for ammunition but to be the sole target for thirty well-directed missiles per second is another story move i dared not i must grin and bear it or failing that bear it without grinning i had jammed the beastly old hat too tightly over my cranium for it to be easily dislodged and the fun in consequence waxed fast and furious by degrees discipline broke down and the set distance was no longer regarded 
snowballs innumerable came at me from a range of a few yards with terrific force recognition was quickly put out of the question for had i been a veritable snowman i could not have looked more like one every snowball that hit and few indeed missed left its contribution to my make-up and i was shortly in peril of suffocation from the accumulation of snow about my mouth and nostrils and almost equally in danger of temporary blindness but that the hat-rim protected me enough at least to keep half an eye intact had not the top of the wall been broad and i on my knees i must inevitably have gone over willy-nilly but hitherto i had kept my place and i meant to continue to do so for the fall backwards had greater terrors for me even than remaining where i was but now the clapping of fair hands the exhilarating exercise the excitement of the last twenty minutes and the spirit of mad revel which enters into the hearts of all men occasionally wrought my doom the weights as aforementioned had been pressed into the fray it was christmas time and class distinctions went by the board even the man who played the big bass viol had propped his instrument against a tree and joined in the sport but now like me they were to be sorry they had come half a dozen young sparks to vary the amusement seized the big bass fiddle and the youngsters fought for clarinet hope boy oviclide euphonium and trombone then to the sound of a wild unearthly pibroch they levelled the bass fiddle like a battering ram and charged for the supposed snowman with shouts of laughter thinking to demolish it finally and end the sport i saw it coming and i knew that the bottom end of a bass fiddle has an ugly spike which might put an end to my career more surely than the dingle i never waited for the shock i went down without a touch and rolling over and over down the steep bank i only remember thinking i should never stop and then nothing how i got to everledge a small town five miles away i never rightly knew i came to myself in the dingle while it was still dark with pains in every limb the nurse at the cottage hospital bless her tells me that i was picked up in an apparently dying state and everybody sympathized with my being lost in the snow i never told her the truth how could i when she was so kind and good but if she had guessed why i was so interested in the district weekly paper she might have suspected something here is the conclusion of the paragraph which took my eye this is one of the most cunning robberies on record the detectives think the whole affair was a put-up job on the part of toff smith lieutenant fontenoy's valet who left a most impudent note behind him for while the party were all disporting themselves with the snowman or applauding from the windows he got clear away with three thousand pounds worth of jewellery end of the snowman by alfred b cooper